0: Welcome to Faith and Family, I'm Andy Bates. How does your career match up with your vocation? How does your vocation match up with your career? And what does that look like uh, when, when you're in education or uh, it, it, when uh, you're looking at sports? Where does that, your vocation, your career match up? What does it look like to be a, a servant leader in those vocations? Well, we're going to talk about that today. Thanks for joining us for Faith and Family. I'm Andy Bates. Thanks to our underwriter, Concordia University, Wisconsin, for supporting Faith and Family on Worldwide KFUO. Find out more about them on our website in the, in the sponsor section. Look for the CUW logo. Joining me by phone today, Coach Matt Beisel, head track and field coach at Concordia University, Nebraska. Coach Beisel, welcome to Faith and Family.
1: Hi, Andy. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing very well. How are you? Great. How are things at uh, Concordia in uh, in at uh, Concordia University in Nebraska today?
1: Uh, it's it's awesome. I'm uh, I just started this position in June, but we my family moved here from Phoenix about a week and a half ago, and so we've just been rolling and getting settled in, and, and uh, it's good to be back in the Midwest.
0: Well, if you're good, and as I understand, you're returning to Concordia University, Nebraska.
1: Yeah, I graduated 24 years ago. I ran uh, cross country and track here, and um, have been a lot of places since. And so, it's a really neat homecoming to come back here.
0: Well, glad that uh, that you've had a chance to make that that homecoming. Uh, tell me a little bit about this uh, this career that uh, that you're in, uh, serving as a head track and field coach at Concordia Univers- Concordia University, Nebraska. What led up to this?
1: Oh, man, it's a complicated story, <laughs> um, as, as all life stories seem to be. Um, it, I think it all kind of goes back to um, maybe all the way back to the year 2000 when I took the position as um, science department chair and head track and cross-country coach at uh, Lutheran High School, of Little Rock, Arkansas. And, um, and so basically came out of uh, graduate school at University of Iowa and went there, started a program from scratch. And God bless us with a lot of great kids and a lot of success early on. We won some state championships, and uh, and then I got a phone call after my seventh year from Concordia University, Chicago, asking if I would be interested in interviewing for the head track position. So, you know, sitting here as a high school coach going, huh, college, you know, why not? Let's check it out at least and see where God's leading us. And so I went and interviewed, and it, it seemed to be, the direction that we were supposed to head. So we, um, ended up packing up our family and I started in January there. So I I spent six years, uh, coaching and, um, they hired me to kind of build the program up from where it was, uh, the, um, you know, where I think it was something like 12 athletes when I took over in January. And and in six years we had 65 kids and had had some success at the conference level and had started sending kids to nationals. Um, I ended up, you know, submitting my resignation after six years because of a combination of factors. Um, we, you know, again, and I know we'll get into this later, the balancing of life and and vocation uh, and, and family as a part of your vocation and, and making that all work uh, kind of got to be a challenge. My son was born uh, within the last couple of years I was there. And um, just with the commute and just the the workload that I had, it was not working so well for our family, and as much as I loved it at Concordia Chicago, and I really did love it there, it was a lot of fun. Um, I ended up resigning and uh, lived as a stay-at-home dad for a year, and just trying to decide what does God want me to do for my family and for others, and how is that all going to work out. So by Christmas time, my wife and I had realized that you know I I need to stay in Lutheran education. It's it's a place that I think some combination of gifts that God's given me seems to work really well. And so I uh, put my name on the call list, and it hadn't even finished the paperwork, so I wasn't officially on the call list, and I got a phone call from Valley Lutheran in Phoenix. Um, And so Bob Kane, the principal there, had gotten my name. He hadn't even known that I was, you know, putting my stuff into the different national stuff, and he calls me up, and we talked for an hour, and and it was a great conversation, and the number one focus he had was on, you know, balancing family and working at the school. And I needed to hear that. And so, um, and so after it was over with, I was like, so did you get my paperwork from Rachel Klitzing out in the Pacific Southwest District? And, um, and he's like, no. He's like, we're not even part of that. We're part of the English District. I'm like, how did this happen? And <laughs> apparently I had sent a Christmas card to a friend of mine who was a track teammate here. Who was teaching there and just said I was looking to go back into teaching and coaching at the high school level, and they had a conversation the next day. Um, So, these are how these things work. And so, I ended up um, taking the call, and my wife and I uh, took our family to Phoenix and had two amazing years there. And um, it's one of the neatest places I've ever worked. Um, You know, Bob Kane is, you know, a River Forest grad actually, but he is one of the best administrators that I've worked with, and um, things were going great. A lot of good things are happening there. The, the kids are wonderful. The staff is awesome. And, and my wife and I were sitting on the back deck of our new house that we had purchased um, by the pool. We have a mountain behind our house and palm trees, and every night the sun sets there, and we were sitting there just, you know, relaxing, going, what a great couple of years this has been. And I said, we're so going to retire here. And she said, it would take an act of God to get me to leave this place. (laughs) And I think it was the next day, a press release went out from Concordia, Nebraska, saying that Craig Einspar, the longtime coach here and very successful, um, was resigning at the end of the season to focus on teaching biology. um, Because he'd been, I guess, teaching biology and coaching for 24 years since I left. And uh, I was just kind of like, huh, wow. And I posted on Facebook, end of an era, everybody, because all my friends, you know, we stay in touch. And we follow Concordia, Nebraska, as proud alumni. And, and so, um, and then within a day or so, I got a phone call from the University of Nebraska, or not University of Nebraska, the University of Concordia, Nebraska, and they said, um, we would like you to, uh, you know, you're one of the people we're interested in to come and, and interview. And so they flew my wife and I out. And and I'll tell you what, it was really rough emotionally, because it was one of those times when you feel like everything's perfect. You're sitting completely content. Things are going really good for our family. Um, you know, the balance of our work and our life was was really great. And um, and then all of a sudden, this opportunity comes up and. You know, and and we also left the university coaching because of work-life balance, and and it's like how do we how do we deal with this? And so you know, my wife didn't even want us to go and, on the interview, and I'm like, if I don't do this at my alma mater, I'm gonna just think for the rest of my life, well, what if? And and so I said, come on, just go on the interview. So we we went, and um, you know, it was it, we, we get here, and of course we're embraced by the amazing warmth and and love of this community you know in the three days that we were here and my wife's not a concordia person she went to iowa state um not your typical lutheran upbringing she actually was methodist and and then her fat her father who ended up becoming the iowa district mission executive for Iowa district west um you know he ended up moving his family into the lutheran church and went off to the seminary but they don't have a lot you know, what everywhere we've gone since we've gotten married, she's been like, You know who? and they they all know you and I'm like, <laughs> Yeah you know, um my grandfather was the president of uh, Concordia Winfield for a while and so everybody knows me and like, Oh, are you related to him? And so anyway, she's gotten used to that over the years, but she'd never really been here at Concordia and and she was like, Wow you know, and I could see moving out of the big city of Phoenix and having this small town for our kids to grow up in and um, and so on the way back, I prayed really hard. And I actually prayed. I said, "God, please don't let this happen." Please, because I, I I was my I loved Valley Lutheran so much, and and uh, what I was doing there, and the kids there, and and I I just said, "Don't let this happen." Um, if it's your will, you know, don't make it work out. <laughs> um, and every time I started thinking along those lines in prayer, and I don't even know how to explain it. It was just like this this word no kind of popped up in my head, and I felt this door gently close on, on Arizona. And I, I don't know how to explain it. Um, it was just a very strong, growing conviction that whatever God sent me to Phoenix to do was done. And, and whenever I started thinking about, well, what if we do move to Concordia, Nebraska, which is very attractive also, it was yes. And it was just the same quiet yes. And I, I don't know how to explain it. But it was um, a really rough week as we juggled this and debated it and sometimes argued and um, sometimes laughed about it. And uh, finally, by the end of the week, you know, we, we made the decision to, um, you know, for the third time in three years to, to move because we, we actually switched houses twice while we were in Phoenix. So um, so that's the – I guess you asked me a, a short question, and I gave you a really long-winded answer, but that. <laughs> It's complex, and so um, I, I've felt a conviction that this is where we need to go, and and trust that God is going to bless our family through this. I think one of the big questions we had is, as we interviewed here, was, is it going to be more of the same? Are we going to, you know, be able to juggle our family and be able to be home and be a be present as a father and as a husband um, in the midst of the always you know, present recruiting responsibilities and my own group of kids here who are, you know, have a home away from home and I'm another person that they come and talk to and, and I'm a, a listener for them and, and then all the organizational stuff and administrative stuff and blah, blah, blah. So, um, and, and we kind of came away with the answer that number one, we're in a different place now than we were at the beginning of my time at Concordia Chicago. When I started there, I didn't know anything about college coaching or recruiting. I kind of had to figure it out on my own. Um, you know, my third year there, I think it was, I, and I can't remember exactly, but they finally gave me one full-time assistant coach, and here I'm inheriting two full-time assistants with the promise of a third. So I feel like in some ways my start here is not only because of all the background now that I've had of doing this and also hopefully learned from some of the pitfalls and mistakes that I made when I was in Chicago, um, that can kind of work things out on this end and again it's, it's an open question my wife and I uh, are hopeful about it and um, I'm real excited about what we've been doing so far here and, and how it's working out so all right that that's your answer
0: <laughs> what uh, what led you up to your career in in education to begin with why did you uh, pursue what, what was it that prompted you to consider education as a as a career and a vocation
1: um, well, I when I came to Concordia, Nebraska, um, it was my intent. Before that, I, 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 was, um, I was a public high school kid in Kansas. My dad was a professor at Pittsburgh State University, and um, I had this idea that I was going to go into business. He taught business. I was going to go into business, and also I liked science, and I thought maybe I'd do a biology business double major. And I even thought about, you know, I, I really want to go to Texas A&M. I loved marine biology, and they've got this great marine biology program that I'd heard about, and then my senior year, or right before my senior year, my dad said, I'm taking a sabbatical, and all of you are coming with me to Taiwan, so I I went to an American Christian school called Morrison Christian Academy, and it was a life-transforming year. It was absolutely astounding, and um, my faith grew tremendously, and I think it opened a fertile soil for me to begin looking at a place like Concordia, and then when we came back to the u.s this is pre-internet so like i didn't do any like searching online for the right schools or whatever we just showed up back in the states with about four weeks till school started and um, my dad's like hey you want to check out this place called concordia nebraska and so i'm like sure because we were driving by and we walk on campus and i'm like so how close is the ocean And, and and uh and so I go on campus, though, and was just embraced. Like the first two people I met, I don't even remember who they were. They were just so warm and friendly. And within probably two or three hours, I'm like, I'm going here. This is it. I, I, it's the only school I visited, and it was the place that I ended up. Um, so when I got here, though, I thought, oh, yeah, business and biology or whatever. And then within a year and a half, I was surrounded at the time by all my teammates. Seemed I think they were going into education and a lot of them into Lutheran teaching. And so I listened to them. I think I, I, don't, I don't know exactly how I arrived at the conclusion that I needed to go into Lutheran ed, but um, somehow by the middle of my sophomore year, I changed my major and went into education, and I got a double major in art and biology, and that launched me off on my career. So, yeah, that's kind of how it came about.
0: So fast forward to your... Uh, Your career coaching uh, at Concordia University in Chicago, what was a typical week like uh, in your life as a coach? As you said, it progressed there and you became so busy. Just paint a picture for us what a typical week was like and how that that became a struggle between uh, career and family life.
1: Well, I think part of it is the commute, and um, we we really couldn't afford to live in River Forest because I think at the time the average home price was like 1.4 million dollars. So, like me, a lot of the coaches um, commuted in from all points of the compass, and mm-hmm. we lived in a place called Elmhurst, and um, and it was about a 30-minute drive each way. Um, and and again, I, you know, I think at the time there were some things that made it more difficult. I was coaching NCAA division three and um, I had to work really, really hard. There were so many great kids out there who were a wonderful fit for Concordia, any of the Concordias. Um, and I particularly, even though this wasn't exclusive, I, I really focused on Lutheran high school kids from Illinois, Michigan, Ohio, Indiana, Wisconsin, and the St. Louis area. And, um, you know, and I got a lot of them and, they, and we, we, it was They were great, um, and as well as some public school kids, but I, I just I had to work really long and hard because I couldn't give athletic scholarships, and so uh, at the D3 level, you can't do that, and so there had to be um, other things that attracted them there. First of all, most of them had to have some additional form of aid that they were bringing with them, and they, you know, a lot of times had to be really good students, so they got the larger financial package. And so, if you start out with a thousand kids, and you whittle it down to four hundred that are interested, and then you whittle it down to, you know, you know, fifty that actually, you know, you know, kind of show a huge interest, and then you know, my recruiting requirement was thirty, um, and it was it was a very consuming thing, um, and so we had to be on the road a lot, and I was on the phone, and again, this is typical recruiting; it's just what it is at the college level. So we had a lot of success, but about my second to last year there, my wife and I were struggling and and she's like, you love this, you're good at it, you're serving there, how can we make this work? So never Mm -hmm. at any point where we sitting there going, oh, we need to leave. I was like, how do we make this fit? Mm -hmm. Um, So she suggested that I keep a work journal and I kept a work journal for eight months. And during the eight months, I averaged 81.3 hours a week um, where I was not home. And from January until the end of May, it was over 90 hours a week because you're not only coaching and being at practice and at meets for 26 to 32 hours a week, um, but you're running a budget and and you've got staff underneath you and you're on the road recruiting and going to all these track meets and things like that. And, and, um, and I, at a certain point we're like, wow, this is challenging. And what happened was I, I, and I think I came and did there what I was supposed to do. Um, I had a, you know, again, the administration was very supportive. Uh, they gave me everything I needed as far as, you know, Hey, we need a new high jump pit. We need a new pole vault pit. Um, you know, and I had great coaches. I was working with really, really good coaches. So that made my job a lot easier. But, um, but in the end, all my wife in, in March went to a conference. She's a physician assistant in gastroenterology. And she went to a conference in Naples, Florida. And realized that one of her colleagues from Arkansas, he was a doctor who had gone down there to start a practice with some fellow doctors, um, was in Naples also. So she just called him to say hi, and he's like, we need a PA, and, and we want you. <laughs> and he, so they set up a big interview, like here is just going to a medical conference, and suddenly she's getting wined and dined. And, and they really gave her a lot of attention and said, you pretty much have the job. And, and, and she reported back to me on this, and I'm just like, huh. Wow, what if and I just for the first time it dawned on me that maybe you know if I stepped away, I didn't have to try to make this work for our family and and then I, the question was is what does God want me to do if this happens? you know who does he want me to be and i I believe that a call or a vocation is anything you're doing where where God has placed you. It's not like oh you're you're a teacher in the Lutheran Church, so you have this special Thing. It's just a vocation, like Martin Luther said, where, where wherever you are, that's where you serve. And so I began thinking, well, what, what does he want me to do in this case? And so we thought she had the job. And a week went by. I had gone through the paradigm shift of, I'm going to be resigning. I'm going to be leaving. And then they didn't call back. And so when um, a week went by, and she's like, this is really weird she contacted her friend and he's like, I'm so sorry. I was embarrassed to call you. Our, our finance person said, you're not even supposed to be advertising for a PA. We, we don't have the justification for doing that right now. And it fell through, but my mind was in a different place. And my wife and I began to have a different conversation. And that's what kind of led us, you know, in a different direction. And so, you know, I, I guess that's, that's where my workload led us and how it got us to where we were.
0: So it was, as you said, 80 hours a week. That's, uh, that doesn't allow for much time for rest, uh, for for caring for your body. Uh, it, it wasn't that you didn't enjoy your work. It sounds like you really enjoyed what you were doing. I d- just trying to find a way to balance that—that that need to 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 be there, you know, to be doing your work eighty, ninety hours a week, and also oh. being a, a you know a, a husband and caring for your family.
1: Right. And again, my wife and my any any of my bosses that I've worked for, uh, Pete Janan is the athletic director still, and he's a great guy and, and was a great a great uh, supervisor for me. They would be the first to say that I create a, I, I create the problem myself. Part of it How so uh, well i I really I just have this weird thing I, I there's some you know this is to paraphrase a verse I don't even know which one it is in the Bible, but you know God's not a god of mediocrity he's a god of excellence and it's like that's kind of this takeaway that I have and if we have if we've been told to do something to do it well and and I, I don't do it because I'm trying to prove anything to anybody there's just something in me that wants to do things really well, whatever it is. Now, again, you see, it's easy to see how, well, if I'm doing that really well for, let's say, my job, why am I not doing that really well as a husband and as a father? Because, obviously, I wasn't doing one as well as the other. And that's that, that kind of dangerous path. And so I, I just... Um, you know, I, I think that I have this desire to kind of throw myself into a job situation, and so part of it is me saying, okay, you know, it doesn't have to be done perfectly. I think some of the lessons I've learned over the years are no matter how hard I work at a job or something like that, um, when I leave, you know, I serve the people I was there, but things move on there. It's not like you know, if I don't get this call made or I don't get this thing done, it's the end of the world. And, and I learned a lot from my principal at Valley Lutheran. Um, Bob and Mia Kane uh, have a whole compelling story themselves. Uh, they were speakers at the National Youth Gathering a couple of times ago. And, um, and so he really values balance and basically told me when he hired me, he said, look, you, you know, if, if you're part of this problem, he's like, if I see you working here too many weekends, or or whatever I'm gonna take away responsibilities from you <laughs> and and so uh, and so he, he he gave me a really healthy perspective on that and so it's it's just the balance I think it's just part of, partially me and it was partially the job I'm guessing that some people in my position wouldn't have worked as hard um you know but I you know it's just one of those things so yeah I have to take part of the blame myself that's for sure
0: so what was different in your next position after leaving uh, Concordia University, Chicago?
1: Well, one of the things um, Mr. Kane assured me is, he's like, look, you're not recruiting. We've got a recruiting person for our school. Your job is to teach and coach. And um, I wasn't the science chair. That was Joe Richter, who's a wonderful man, um, a very wonderful man. It was, you know, I'm, I, and I went right back into teaching the same stuff that I was teaching in Lutheran High School in Little Rock Um, AP biology and honors bio and, and um, physical science, integrated science. And so I, that's an area that I was real comfortable in and, and just had to ramp it up because I'd been away from it for about eight years and changed some things, but um, the kids were great. I I don't know. It was, there's a culture at that school where people get stuff done, but they, you know, they're often home on weekends. Um, I think in Arizona, at least for for cross country and track, all of my meets were on weekdays. And so, you know, I didn't I had my weekends free. Um, and that gave me more time to go hiking and backpacking and fishing and stuff with my family. And and so so just it's a it's a different environment there. And you know, coming back to the university environment where you no know, weekends are not free because we have meets at the collegiate level and things. It's one of those things that we have to figure out and we're, we're making, I guess it's a risk to reward ratio. I don't know. Um, we, we just feel really good about where we are now and saying, okay, I think we can do this differently is, uh, president, uh, Brian, um, here at, at Concordia told me when we were sitting at dinner with him during the interview process, he was like, he was like, Hey, like, are you able to redefine, you know, how you function, within a setting like this and it's a great question and it's a question that she
0: and i talked about a lot and, and, and that is the, the, the big question. We'll take a look at that when we come back from the break. What have you, uh, what changes have you made? How do you approach uh, your career differently now? And then how will you communicate that? Uh, how will you instill that in your students? We're talking with Coach Matt Beisel, Head Track and Field Coach at Concordia University, Nebraska. You're listening to Faith and Family on Worldwide KFUO.
1: This is Life Issues with Brad Mattis, president of Life Issues Institute.
2: I don't normally talk to you about this issue, but because lives could be at stake, I'm making an exception. As you probably know, Target has literally welcomed transgender people into their dressing rooms and bathrooms. Many warned they were jeopardizing the safety of women and children, and a boycott of Target stores ensued. In the small town of Ammon, Idaho, Sean Smith dressed like a woman, went into a Target changing room, and then filmed a young woman trying on bathing suits. When she caught him, Smith fled but was later arrested for felony voyeurism. He confessed to the crime and admitted this wasn't the first time. Let Target and others know we oppose this, not only with our purchasing power but with our calls and in social media. You can make a difference.
0: For more information, visit our website at lifeissues.org.
1: And stay informed, more informed than you've ever been. This is Pastor John Viker, Senior Assistant to President Harrison here in St. Louis. Agnus Day Liturgical Arts continues the fine tradition of proclaiming the Gospel through Christian art. Through the production of altarpieces, paintings,
2: and drawings, Agnus Day Liturgical Arts portrays the Gospel in all its splendor. Their website is agnusdayarts.com. That's a g n u s d e i arts dot com Listening to Worldwide KFUO on the go with your smartphone doesn't mean you have to walk around with earbuds all day. You can Bluetooth across the room to a speaker system in your home, or listen on radios that have built-in smartphone cradles. There are many easy ways to listen to WorldwideKFUO.org on the air, online, and on demand. We proclaim the clear gospel message of Christ crucified for our sins. The messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO. The Lutheran Church Missouri Synod celebrates and affirms life from the time of conception until natural death and every time in between. For this reason, LCMS Life Ministry is a program singularly devoted to upholding the sanctity of human life, both in our church body and the culture at large. Life Ministry provides educational materials, hosts conferences, and works closely with allies such as Lutherans for Life. For more information, visit lcms.org life and follow LCMS Life Ministry on Facebook. After reading a thoughtful book or even part of it, do we not many times want to tell someone else what we've read? Do we not many times wish we could do this with the author? This is exactly what we do on Book Talk, Fridays at 2 p.m., streaming online and archived thereafter for your 24 7 consumption. Friday afternoon at 2 on KFUO, the messenger of good news.
0: Hi, I'm Andy Bates, host of Faith and Family on Worldwide KFUO And I'd like to let you know about a new free resource To assist you and your family as you join together in prayer Visit lcms.org forward slash unwrapping the gifts To find litanies, table graces, and more To support you in your times of prayer as a family That's lcms.org forward slash unwrapping the gifts Welcome back to Faith and Family. I'm Andy Bates. We are talking about vocation and servant leadership. talking with Coach Matt Beisel, Head Track and Field Coach at Concordia University, Nebraska. And uh, before we went to break, Coach, we were talking about uh, your life and career and balancing that career and uh, family life and and really making a a choice about some of those changes as you're also making a career change as well. Uh, uh, You know, before in your, your previous, career finding it difficult working 80 hours 80 plus hours in a week and trying to find that balance and now uh moving on to uh, a new career starting now at concordia university nebraska how do you how are you approaching things this time coach as you begin as the new head and track uh head track and, and field coach at concordia nebraska
1: I think, I think one of the things, Andy, that has really made a difference in the last two years at, my, at Valley Lutheran High School in Phoenix has, again, been the leadership of my principal, but we're very focused on being in the Word there. I, I know that um, one of the things that, especially in this last two years, is just me absorbing the Word and, and, and my I guess, just trying to take advantage you know, again, I don't want this to be a me, 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 but God provides us the Word and sacraments and worship and prayer, and, and I, I don't know, that's become a, a huge focus of my life. I think it prepared me to be able to walk away from Valley in a way and trust that this is, you know, that it was God that I was listening to saying, go on to Concordia. And, and I feel like it's really helped with my relationship as a husband and as a father as well. Um, and it's something that I, I plan to continue of just, you know, of having opportunities, uh, spending time in the word every day. I mean, it's when I get away from that, that things get out of whack. And then I hit myself over the head for the 1800th time and go, Oh yeah, I, I, you know, I wasn't taking advantage. I wasn't drinking from that source. And, and when I do, it's, huge on how I'm able to sit back and have more of a balanced perspective on things. And and so going into this, one of the things I've been doing is spending a ton ton of time in prayer, a ton of time listening to music that uplifts me and 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 helps me to just, you know, be constantly mindful of Christ um, and to be reading the Word, the devotions. I've got some online things that pop up, but also just having it on my phone now and um, reading it a lot. I, I guess that's the most important factor, and I think that that's going to keep me grounded, and, I, and I'm and i excited about also some of the opportunities here that I maybe didn't take advantage of at Concordia Chicago, because they existed there. Um, but I know our chapel time at Valley Lutheran, two days a week, was huge for me, and Um, And now it's five days a week here at Concordia, Nebraska, and I plan to go as many days as I possibly can um, and invite my athletes to come with me. The, you know, just that ability to tap into that. I want to find Bible studies um, for my wife and I to go to together. I want to find Bible studies with other men. And those are sometimes things that, you know, back at Concordia Chicago, I got so into the grind and was so far away from campus that I just didn't do those things as often or nearly enough and I, I think that I don't know it, it certainly didn't help the situation and and so I guess I've spent a lot of time praying to God for wisdom and discernment and it wasn't just since I got this job it's been in the months leading up to this and uh, you know and I guess at a certain point it's like how do you know where God really wants you to go and i I don't have an answer to that question and i I just feel like a conviction in my heart that this is where we need to be right now and that God's going to bless my family and also bless the people that I serve through this. And 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 then use whatever wisdom I gained through the trials that I went through in all my different places to say, okay, this is going to be good and it's going to be a way for me. You know, because as I was talking with Andy, uh, with you early on the break, how do I you know, I'm a, I'm, I'm, I'm model, whether I know I'm modeling or not, I model to the kids in my care, what it's like to be a person of faith who has a vocation and to live a life where you're not, you know, burning the candle at both ends. And I don't know, maybe I'm sure my kids knew that at Chicago, but sometimes you try to hide that when they come into you with a problem and you want to hear from them. But I, I think that at Valley, I was able to relax and just love my students and my athletes. And I, and I guarantee if you talk to any of them, they know I loved them. And, and just to, re, to love them and not worry too much and to teach them, but to look at them and say this is more than a grade, this is more than a time that we're running, and, and, and just be there for them. And, and I think, too, now that I'm here, a lot of the kids, not all of them, but a lot of the kids that I'm going to be working with, going into ministry, so how do I model what it's like to be in ministry to the people who are going to be in ministry, and how do I talk with them and mentor them? You know, that's of high importance to me, and and it's a different perspective maybe that I have now than I did, you know, 12 years ago when I started working at Concordia Chicago.
0: What do you think the... What do you hope track and field will look like? What do you want students to gain from their track and field experience at Concordia in this coming year and in the future?
1: Wow, that's I have a I have always had a huge vision for that, but I I, I think with me, you know, we have 115 kids on our team between cross country and track, and and I'm you know I'm going to get the number up to between 140 and 150 is what the university wants me to do. Um, and so what we have, you know, what I'm going to say to them and I, I, when I took this position June 1st, um, I began immediately calling every one of our kids. I spent over, you know, over the last two months, I've spent probably 70 hours in half hour to 20 minute conversations with each of these kids and had the best conversations with them. But I want to know who are you, but I also wanted to answer questions they had and, and alleviate concerns and so forth. And what I shared with them and what we're going to go forward with is that in, in, our, in, in my vision for our program, Christ is first, and team is second, and everything else falls into place. And, and so in, in our meetings, in the way that we, you know, talk to them as we set goals, as we talk to the whole team about what we're trying to accomplish, um, we constantly focus them on Christ. Who gives them strength and gives them the ability to be here the ability to draw breath or to move a muscle and that these teammates around you are your family and that they care about you and they know you of course we have to work in track and field to be very proactive to build that team togetherness because there are natural barriers in track and field with people practicing different events in different locations and and so that's one of the things we're going to make a huge effort on, is to do that. But once we have—and I guess I'm, I'm trying to answer your question—our big focus is going to be on Christ and team, and trust that everything else is going to take care of itself. You know, we do our part. You know, it's my belief that if, if my focus is on Christ, and this applies to life and team and whatever, and, and then we work on building relationships with those around us, and, and look and, and and I guess as I grow in my faith as an athlete, I'm going to be able to look with more loving eyes at my teammates around me and look at them as just not another person, but a person that is worth knowing and worth caring about. Um, and and so as we encourage our kids to take advantage of faith things, and again, I'll, I'll be inviting them to come to church, I'll be inviting them to come to chapel, we'll have prayer partners and devotions and, you know, all these different pieces. Um... And I'll encourage them to start their own Bible studies within the group, but but as they grow in their faith, a natural outcome of that is an ability to stop looking at yourself so much and to look at those around you. And if we're looking at those around us and caring and loving, then we know that we're part of something bigger than ourselves, and then as an individual, if I have individual goals or whatever, it helps me to say, wait a second, you know, I'm, I'm in the weight room all alone, I've got one last set of reps that I'm supposed to do, and I really want to go eat, and nobody will know if I don't do these, um, you know, and, and, and then making that decision or getting to bed at a decent hour or taking care of proper nutrition or maybe during the summer getting that, that run in that you know you're supposed to do because it's not because of you, it's because you know your team cares about your goals, loves you, and you are doing it for them as well. And so I think that helps our whole team, as individuals, get better. And then if all of my individuals are getting better, then the natural outcome of that is team success in the eyes of the world. But I mean, my, my a good friend of mine is named Micah Parker. He's the
0: mm-hmm. athletic
1: director at California Baptist, and and a long time ago, um, when I was on the team with him, he said, you know, I, I remember actually maybe a little past that, he said something about, you know, we don't put the cart before the horse, and and I've remembered that ever since. It's that you know, winning's fun, you know, and like I said earlier, God doesn't, you know, he, he wants us to do the best we can with what we have to serve Him and glorify Him, and, and it's like, let's not just play, let's do this for real, let's be serious about our athleticism and, and developing ourselves as, as student-athletes, but, you know, that's, our success is just a natural outflow of all these other bigger picture things coming into play, and that's what I, constantly talk with my athletes about and you can talk to any of my kids at the high school level at the middle school level or at even you know former athletes from concordia chicago we talked about that all the time and it's something i've have had as a thread through all of my coaching so yeah does that answer your question
0: i i think so so th- how then what do you hope that they, they will carry with them from this this track and field experience to the classroom and, and to their future vocations as well? What do you hope they'll gain from this track and field experience and their time with you?
1: That's a great question. I think hmm, there's a lot of different layers you can get into, <laughs> and I don't want to take too much time on this. I I, I know I can speak for myself and for the athletes that I've coached who are now in the teaching world, but I I feel like work, there's a work ethic piece of it where, you know, you know that you have these goals um, and you work hard to do them and you accomplish them, and, and I think that transcends athletic work. I think it applies to classroom. I think it applies to, you know, as you serve and wherever you go. And, and I think that's just one takeaway from it. But I, I really feel like the relationships that you build while you're here are probably, you know, one of the most important pieces. And that's why I'm very relational focused with all the team-building activities that we do. I, I think back to, you know, I think of all of the experiences I've had since my time at Concordia and the friendships that I had there and the things that I learned from those friends and the lessons that I took away from that, of getting to know other people from different areas of life, seeing how they dealt with things, and I grew as a man, I grew as a, as a child of God, because of the positive influence of these teammates of mine. And, and so I think it's the growth experience, while you're doing this thing called track and field, that and studying and doing all the things that you do in college, that the piece of the puzzle of who you become as you go out and serve, whether it's in a Lutheran church or school or whether it's in a medical profession or whatever the case may be as a business owner or, or wherever. Um, and so I think that's a difficult... I, I mean, it, to me, it's an easy question to answer as far as the big picture, but on the details of it, I think that's an individual thing. I just think it comes to, you know, the. I think, too, how my faith grew when I was a teammate here with the coach that I had, and I had several coaches, but um, my final coach ended up being Micah Parker because he basically was a teammate who, who finished his eligibility and then um, and then had to cover because one of my coaches ended up having to leave. And, and so he was my coach for the last year and a half or so. And not only did he know me as an individual and, and he was able to take that and help me to be the best athlete I could be, but I just remember how he talked to us in meetings and, and so forth and it was always focused on Christ and on you know what you know you know who are we as children of God is our language matching that is are the things we say and the way that we're acting measuring up to that and and it was just about living you know he talked a lot about living you know who you really are through Christ and and that was that was huge and it's it's been a huge carry into my own life and so You know, my hope is that my athletes are going to be nurtured in their faith as, you know, again, there are a lot of other areas on this campus where our kids are being nurtured in their faith, and this is one piece of that puzzle. And then as they go out into the world, they'll be equipped to not only serve, but also to mentor others in the same way.
0: What about parents of the student-athletes? What's your message to them? How can... What can they do to be um, to, to be helpful and, and supportive? What what can they do to help their students keep their focus where it needs to be?
1: Are you talking about before they get to college or after they're here?
0: <laughs> both, uh, both the high school students that you've served and the and and, and now the college students that that you'll be serving.
1: Well, that's, boy, that's a multidimensional question. I, I I think on one level, one of the things that I think is super important is that parenting is in the home and. I, I know, uh, you know a lot of who my students are is a reflection of what's going on at home, and, and parents have a role to teach their kids about Christ, to model that, and, and I think that's the most important thing, and just to love their kids and not judge them, because um, nobody's perfect. <laughs> and. I remember when I and so so I, I get kids in my classroom or I get kids in the athletic arena, and um, and then I I do what I can. But I think that I think loving your kids unconditionally and feeding them by you know spiritually by getting them in in church on a regular basis, getting them involved in service projects, getting them to hear from you, you know, talking about your faith at home. Praying with them, making that a part of your family life is so huge. And and again, I I don't know if you were asking about the athletic side of it. I you know I I honestly you know I had a girl here yesterday, a really really neat girl um, uh, visiting with her father, and and they asked me, well, what can we do to help her this next year if we, if she ends up coming to your school? And and I'm like. Just keep doing what you're doing as far as the athletic stuff goes. She's a three sport athlete. Um, you know, she's doing some really great performances in track with like two months of training, and and uh, and and she'll get better. I mean, when when she starts training year round and this is her sport, um, she's gonna get a lot better. And and I I just said, but for right now, what you're doing is great. Continue being a three sport athlete. Continue being involved in all the things you're doing. Keep working on your studies. Keep that grade point average up. Um, keep. You know, doing the things that help you to grow in your faith, you're doing you're doing fine. And so, so I, I guess I'm a little different than some sports. I know, I don't know. There's a lot of uh, a track and field and a cross country. You look at the numbers, and the numbers don't lie. They're just they those kids perform what they did. Now, there's a lot more to it than that. It's like what's the training history of that kid, and so forth. So, from an athletic standpoint, you know, encourage your kids to be in sports. But I'll take them, and when we get them, wherever they're at. Whatever level of development they're at, will take them to the next step. Um, but I think, from a spiritual perspective, going back to what I was saying a minute ago, um, just speak Christ to them, be Christ to them. But just just get them involved in the church, get them involved in prayer, and and um, you know whether you're at a public or a private school, um, make that a big piece of who they are. And and also trust that you can't do it yourself. Anything you do, if it's not great or it's Awesome It God doing it through you, so as parents were that vessel through which the Holy Spirit works, and you know so it's like it's like pay attention to those things, but don't put too much on yourself is kind of i don't know how to answer i mean is, is that a decent answer to your question i, <laughs> yeah. I just think that, that, that those are complex things i i don't know i mean I'm a parent myself, and i don't know if I can give advice to parents about how to raise their kids other than what we're trying to do, which is be Christ at home as much as you can and and also be real my kids know i'm not perfect and um but when things don't go well i ask their forgiveness and and we we talk about forgiveness a lot in my family will you forgive me um my daughter's 12 and she's going to be a 7th grader at St. John's here and then my son is going to be a 1st grader and they don't always get along sometimes they don't always do what my wife wants and you know we at the same time they're they're great kids and so it's like we're all going to have our failings, and then we we forgive and move on and, and know that, that uh, you know, and then we, we just get them, we pray with them, all that stuff. I can I keep going. I, I just, that's that's a tough question to answer, except that, you know, faith's a huge part of it, and, and having them be a part of that. And then, of course, I would say from a coach's perspective at the college level, tell your kids as early, as you know, ninth grade, they really, you know, the more – they put into their grades, the more it's going to pay off for them because I talk to a lot of kids and these kids come in with a 3.6 to a 4.0, get a huge financial package. And the kids that come in with a 2.2, 2.6 you know, all of a sudden there there there's fewer openings for them as far as opportunities. So, you know, I told the same thing to my high school kids when I was coaching and teaching them. All right. What
0: else? We have just a, just a little over two minutes left. Uh, looking forward to this year. What uh, what does the season hold for track and field? What is, what's the look? What does it look like for this year, Coach?
1: Well, I'm I'm very fortunate to be inheriting a program that's had a lot of success recently. Um, Craig Einspar and the assistant coaches that worked with him did a really phenomenal job. And uh, this this last May, my, the women's track team won the national championships in the NAIA, and our men were second. And the year before that, our women, I'm sorry, our men won the national championships and our women were third. And we're losing some seniors, but we have a phenomenal incoming recruiting class, and and we still maintain a bunch of our kids. And, you know, my assistant coach, uh, Ed McLaughlin, is our throws coach, and he was awarded the national assistant coach of the year. So I've got, I've got a really a lot of great things to work with, and so my hope is that as I come in, I'm going to come in and, and evaluate and say, okay, what are some things that were working well? Let's keep doing that. Let's see if there's some things that we want to change, and we'll do that, and meanwhile, we'll, we'll love the kids. We'll, we'll coach them with passion. We'll have a great time doing it, and and then just trust that God will take care of the details and, and give it up to Him and and see where we end up, so that's kind
0: of where I'm at with it. Very good. And uh, I'm sure we can follow along at uh, Concordia University's website when it comes to athletics and see what's going on with the team there this year. Thank you, Andy. Well, Coach, it's been great talking with you, learning about uh, your service and, and vocation there. For someone who, with just about a minute left, someone who's looking at, uh, at education and maybe coaching in the future with just a, a minute, what would be your advice to them as looking to that as a future career?
1: Well, one of the things I never knew, and I'm, I guess I was just a clueless guy, is I didn't realize that if I was going into Lutheran teaching out of a Lutheran college and I did a varsity sport in college, I was going to end up coaching. And so I never really thought about being a coach until I got my first call. And then suddenly they said, You're the head track and cross country coach <laughs> of 60 kids. And I'm like, and all I paid attention to was my event, which was distance running. And so over the years, I've had to. Really learn a lot about that. So I would say, and I've been, and because of that, every place I've ever coached, high school and college, I say, look, a lot of you are going to end up coaching someday. So pay attention, not just to, you know, what we're doing, but why we're doing it. And I try to teach the kids why we do everything. But I'm like, pay attention. Pay attention, (laughs) not just to your events, but to all those around you. Because if you go into education and you do a collegiate sport, you're going to be coaching. And and that's just a—I mean, you know—in some of our Lutheran schools that I've been in, it's like, "Oh, you—you you played a pickup game of volleyball in seventh grade." All right, here you go. Um, I'm, I'm joking, but—but but no, and—and and that's something I just—you know—I was a clueless kid. But uh, yeah, there you
0: go. Pay attention, <laughs> Coach Matt Beisel, head track and field coach at Concordia University, Nebraska. Thanks so much for being our guest today, Coach. Thank you. Bye-bye. God's blessings on uh, the year and season ahead at Concordia University, Nebraska. Coming up in just a little bit, Thy Strong Word. Going to revisit uh, another program on Galatians. You're listening to Worldwide KFUO.
2: Listen to Faith and Family Monday through Friday at this time. Faith and Family is a listener-supported program.